Okay, so turn in your Bibles with me this morning to uh, Mark chapter 7, and uh, stick your finger there, and then uh, turn in your Bible, and then go over to Matthew uh, chapter 15, if you have your Bibles. Not, I think we're, our, our sister's going to put them up on the text. So, let's read the text. Mark chapter 7, verses 31 to 37. <clears throat> Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, now down, uh, down to the Sea of Galilee, into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hand on the man. And after he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears, he spit and touched the man's tongue, and he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Epapha, which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And then over in chapter 15 of Matthew, and the reason why I want to read that is because it's a synoptic of what's going on here. So Mark gives us, zeroes us in on one man and one, one Jesus praying for one person, but over in Matthew, we kind of get the macro picture of it. And, uh, and so he, Matthew kind of zooms out on the picture for us. It's the same, the same, same things going on, the same event, the same circumstances, the same place. And Jesus is, and so here's, here's, what, here's what's going on. And we're going to start with Matthew chapter 15, verse 29. And it says, Jesus left there and went, that is, he left Sidon and Ty, where he met that woman, uh, the Canaanite woman, the Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus, the Gentile woman. Remember that the Gentile dog and that our brother preached on? And he's coming from there and he's, and he's now coming to the, uh, the region around the southwestern Galilee. And by the way, I just want to give you a, p- a little picture. Just get in your mind's eye. We'll just draw a map. So if you see Israel like this, right? And over on my left, so it would be the east. And that's the Mediterranean Sea there, the coastline there. And then Mount Hermon up here. And the, uh, the River Jordan uh, found his sources, headwaters are in the Mount Hermon. And then in the River Jordan flowing down, and here we have the uh, Sea of Galilee. And it's in, just picture the shape of a man's heart. And that's, I believe that's prophetic. This is where, where the Lord lays open the heart of God. In, in Galilee when he is when he's healing all the he does most of his miracles there he does most of his teaching on the heart there and so on and so he's he's revealing the heart of God there so we see Galilee here and then the Jordan down and Dead Sea down Dead Sea down here so Jerusalem is over here just at the head of the Dead Sea like that Tyre and Sidon are up in the north along the Mediterranean coast like there uh, tire, Sidon, and Jesus has just come from Sidon, and so picture now, like this, right, the lake, so he's coming from Sidon, he goes over to the north side of the lake, and he's coming down the western side of Galilee, and there you see the mountains, mountains there, looks a lot like, um, 
like, like Kelowna, you know, so picture kind of like Lake, Lake Okanagan and you have the mountains going up. Well, that's just what Galilee's like. So you see the mountains there. And uh, so Jesus is coming down to the southwestern part of the, the Sea of Galilee, Sea of Galilee like this, and then the southwestern part. And this is where the, the, the 10 cities are, the Decapolis is what uh, called in Greek. And basically there, there are 10 cities of Greek immigrants that came there from the time of Alexander the Great when he conquered the land in 331 BC. And they've lived there ever since. There's been a lot of war going on between Alexander's, uh, Alexander's generals, one Seleucid from the north and Ptolemy from Egypt in the south. And they were fighting each other. They've been fighting each other for, for you know, generations now. And uh, so these people have just known nothing but poverty and war and hardship. Just picture in your mind's eye like over in, uh, in Syria and how those people are suffering. Well, these peoples have generations of that, right? And so these 10 cities are mostly Greek uh, immigrants, they kind of kept to themselves, although the, the Jew, they did mingle with the Jews and the Greek culture and the Greek language spread throughout Israel. But uh, so just, just to give you a little historical background, geographical background. So here, here we are now. Jesus is on his final year of ministry. He's on his way, pretty much on his way back to Jerusalem to die, to, to rise again, to go back to heaven. And so he's on his final year of ministry uh, right here possibly final weeks, possibly final months, possibly final, final weeks. So here we are in, in verse 29 of uh, Matthew chapter 15. Let me just read it to you. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee, and then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. So just picture the mountainside kind of going up like that, and then Jesus sitting there. You can see the Sea of Galilee down in the valley, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and then, uh, and it says, and sat down, and it says, great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the cripple, the mute, and many others, and, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The, the idea is that he healed them all. And the people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. I've entitled my message today, Jesus Still Freely Heals Today. And the main point of my message is the same as my title, Jesus Still Freely Heals Today. And there are basically five simple and unchanging gospel truths about Jesus that I want to point out from our text today that will, I believe, will build and strengthen our faith for healing today. And so gospel truth number one is simply this. Jesus heals every kind of illness. And we see this in the text. The people brought to him all manner of illnesses, and he healed them. So whatever those people had for illnesses, friends, they're the same kind of... Nothing's changed. We have the same kind of illnesses today. But their illnesses maybe were even a little more serious because they have so much trauma. There was probably a lot more broken psychologically people People, uh, probably a lot more trauma, post-traumatic stress syndrome, uh, you know, inner, a lot more inner healing that was, w w would have been needed, but you know what, we need it today too, don't we? But anyways, so uh, the, the point is this, that Jesus heals every kind of illness. So there's no infirmity that Jesus doesn't heal. He heals people that are sick in body, sick in spirit, and sick in soul. There is no wound that the balm of Gilead that flows through, down through Jesus' hands doesn't heal. He heals wounds of the soul, wounds of the mind, wounds of the emotions, wounds of the spirit, and wounds of the body. 
Jesus doesn't just heal Mickey Mouse illnesses like sore backs and limps and colds and headaches and stomach flus. He heals Goliath illnesses like deaf ears, blind eyes, people who can't talk. Jesus heals people with deformed limbs, with missing body parts, with congenital birth defects. He heals paraplegics and quadriplegics. He heals life-threatening diseases. Jesus heals long-term and even lifelong debilitating illnesses of the mind, of the spirit, and of the body. He delivers people from all manner of pain, physical pain, emotional pain, and spiritual pain. Jesus even heals people who are dead whose bodies are dead. They died sick, and he brings them back to life again healthy. Jesus heals the emotionally and the psychologically broken and every manner of mental, psychological, and emotional illness. He binds up the brokenhearted, gives freedom to the captives, releases those who sit in darkness and depression. Jesus comforts those who mourn, provides inner healing for those who grieve. Jesus gives the grieving the oil of joy instead of mourning and the garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness and despair. Jesus heals loneliness, discouragement, despair, depression, doubt, fear, anxiety, and worry. Jesus heals every addiction and compulsion. He heals every demonic symptom. He even fixes teeth, heals alopecia, grows hair, and causes obese people to lose weight. And I've seen it with my own eyes, him do these miracles, many of these miracles. And that's why I know he does it. Jesus Jesus Christ heals every kind of illness and sickness. There is no illness too difficult for him, no sickness too hard, no deformity too difficult. There is nothing that Jesus can't heal. Amen? That's point number one. Point number two, gospel truth number two, is that Jesus heals today because healing is part of his unchanging identity. It is part of his unchanging identity. You see, healing isn't just something that Jesus does or chooses to do. Healing is who he is. In Exodus chapter 15, God tells us that healer is one of his names. I am Yahweh Rapha, Rapha. I am the Lord who heals. Rapha, healing is one of God's names. Whenever God gives himself a name in the Bible, it means that's who he is. It is his identity. It is his unchanging identity. The angel said to Joseph, you shall name him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus means Yahweh is salvation. So saving people isn't merely what, something that Jesus does. Saving people is who Jesus is. God gives himself the name Yahweh Rapha. That means that he Healing is not merely something that God does, but healing is a part of his identity. It is who he is because healing is who God is, and he can never change that. To get to know God is to get discover him as a healer. You're going to have an encounter. It's like if I, it, with God, you're going to eventually have an encounter with healing, you see, because he's a healer. It's like if I went to visit the Pope, the, the, the Catholic Pope, and, and he, I was going to have lunch with him. I don't have to wonder whether at some point in time that I, that I have time with that hope that he's going to make the sign of the cross before we eat, right? It's because who he is. It's who he is. And so when we meet Jesus, when we get to know Jesus, when we discover Jesus in his fullness, we discover him as healer. We cannot escape that. 
So the Lord says, I am Jehovah, Rapha, the Lord who heals. He always acts in congruence with his identity. It is is deeper than that. Jesus is a healer because he's God. Everything God does comes out of who he is. Nothing God does can be separated from who he is. And nothing God is can be separated from what God does. This is difficult for us to grasp because we humans do a lot of things that are not congruent with who we are. But that is impossible for God. God, friends. God is not able to act in congruent with who he is. He must act in congruence with who he is or he wouldn't be God. I am the Lord and I change not, you see. And so this, 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 the, the fact that healing is one of Jesus' names, Yahweh Rapha, not merely something he does is one of the primary biblical arguments against the, the, the false doctrine of cessationism. Cessationism teaches that Jesus healed then, but he doesn't heal today. Partial cessationism is also a false doctrine because partial cessationism teaches that Jesus can no longer be trusted to heal as much today as he did in the Gospels or in the early church. Partial cessation teaches that Jesus can no longer be trusted to heal the same things today than he did in the Gospels. In other words, you can't, you, Jesus can't be trusted to heal. He can be trusted to heal Mickey Mouse miracles and illnesses, but he can no longer be trusted to heal Goliath illnesses. Both cessationism and partial cessationism are false teachings because they deny the unchanging identity of God Almighty. You see that? Because to say that God no longer heals us, you might as well say he he no longer saves. It's his name. Healing is his name. It is his identity, you see. So because healing is who God is and not merely what he does, both cessationism and partial cessationism is impossible with God. Because it is impossible for God to change who he is. I am Yahweh and I change not, says the Lord. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen? So gospel truth number two is that Jesus heals today because his healing is part of his unchanging identity. So when we're coming to Jesus for healing, we're coming to who he is. And we put our faith in who he is, not just in what he does. Because if it's just what he does, maybe he'll change his mind. But he can't change his mind about healing because any more than he can change his mind about himself. I am a man. You see, it is, it, is my, it is essential to my identity that I'm a man. So, 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 so what I do is coming out of my identity. I don't have to choose to act like a man. I don't have to think about it. You know, I'm going to act like a man. And by the way, ladies, th- this is why you cannot change your husband. This is a joke. <laughs> because it's who he is. He's a man, see. And so you cannot change Jesus, because he is healer. He's a healer. His name is healing, you see. And so, <clears throat> yes. And, and so uh, Jesus heals today because he, he heals every kind of illness, even today. And Jesus heals today because healing is part of his unchanging identity. And gospel truth number three, Jesus heals today because of his unchanging compassion and love for the sick and the infirm. See, Jesus heals people because he loves and cares for them, and because he loves and cares for their families and their loved ones. You see, sick and infirm and broken people never suffer, suffer alone, do they? Their families always suffer along with them. Someone rightly said, there's only one thing worse than being sick, and that's a loved one being sick. Isn't that true? Yeah. 
The whole family suffers, you see. And so Jesus heals because he loves people and he cares people cares for people. 14 times in the four gospels, we are told that Jesus healed because he had pity and compassion upon the sick and the infirm. 16 times in the four gospels, we are told that Jesus healed because he had mercy upon them. So 30 times in four gospels, we are clearly told that Jesus' primary motivation for healing is his compassion, his mercy, and his pity toward those who are infirm. And for those and towards their loved ones. You see, when Jesus healed this man, it was no different. It's a, it says he, he had compassion on the on the on them. How many times did it say that? he had compassion on them and he healed their sick, you see? And this was no different when he went to, 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 to pray for this man. The text says this. The text says, with a deep sigh with a deep sigh. So th- th- this is the same word to describe the, the, the same deep heartfelt sorrow, pity, and empathetic compassion that Jesus felt when his friend Lazarus had died. And it's the same word in John's gospel when he saw, when Jesus saw Lazarus' sisters weeping and their loved ones grieving, it says he was deeply moved. This is what the, the, the same word. Jesus felt this deep, profound sadness of heart. It was so deep, deeply saddened and grieved. He grieved so profoundly in, this, in his compassion and empathy towards man. This man who was deaf, to, that struggled to talk because of his deafness. And, and the words cannot be formulated to express what Jesus felt. And it just says, a deep sigh came up from his being. And he just thought, be open. You see This is the love of Jesus. See, Jesus' primary motivation for healing people is his compassion and mercy towards the sick and infirm and towards their loved ones. You see, the same people who claim that Jesus doesn't heal the same way today as he did in the Gospels say that Jesus' primary motivation for healing people was to get people to see and believe that he was the Son of God. And then the assumption is that having accomplished that objective, he is not all that motivated to to heal today, you see? And the assumption is that now that we have the complete canon of Scripture that testifies of Jesus' divinity and resurrection, we don't need healing miracles anymore, so Jesus isn't all that motivated to heal people today. Friends, the Scriptures just, just not bear that argument up. Because 30 times it says the primary motivation for Jesus to heal was his compassion and his mercy. And only one time, it, the, the, the four gospels explicitly says that Jesus did these things that, we, that you might believe that he's the son of God and believe and you might have life in his name. John chapter 20, once to 30 times. What does that tell us? It tells us that the primary motivation for Jesus to heal was not just to prove that he was the son of God, but because this is his heart. And this is what I said earlier. You look at the Sea of Galilee on any map of Israel, and it's in the shape of a heart. This is where God lays, the, lays his heart bare. You see? He expresses, he just, Jesus is the, is the radiance of the glory of God. He's the exact representation of his being. And so everything Jesus did here was, he was conveying the Father's heart. He was conveying the love of God. He was conveying the love. And when God has his way in a man, he will heal diseases, you see, because God is a healer, because he heals because of his compassion and his love. And this should encourage us, you see, this should encourage us today. 
that we can appeal to Jesus' love and compassion, that he feels, he, know, he feels the weight of our infirmity. He feels the cost, feels the pain of the family members. He feels it, Jesus, and we can come to him and appeal to his compassion and mercy today because Jesus' compassion never fails. They're new every morning, amen? His compassions fail not. How many times we have seen this, that you see, the reason, and this tells us too, that if you're moving gifts of healing and you're praying for the sick and the Lord has called you to that, and, and this is one of your gifts to pray for the sick or counsel, you know, in counseling or whatever, the more we can, because faith works by love, you see, and so the more we allow ourselves and surrender our hearts to the compassion of Jesus, and the more love we feel in our hearts, the more faith will rise up you see, in us, and the more healings we'll see. You see, if he, you know, healing, healing, friends, isn't about the, the, isn't about the healer. It's not about the gifted. It's not about the anointed. It's about the sick. Healing is about the sick. It's about Jesus' compassion for the sick, you see. And so this, this, this ought to encourage us. I, I, you know, I've seen this so, so many times of people, when, you know, when, 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 when we've seen God heal people, uh, when we've prayed for them, because faith works by love, the people who have been healed, when we have prayed for them, almost always testify, I just felt so much love from you. Jesus heals because he loves and cares for sick people and their families. And he still freely heals today because of his unchanging compassion and love for the sick and the infirm. So why should you ask Jesus in faith to heal you today? Because Jesus loves you. That's a good enough reason for him to do it. See, you don't need any other reason. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Because Jesus cares for you and your loved ones, because his compassions never fail. Gospel truth number four. Jesus still heals freely today because of his unchanging grace. You don't have to read your New Testament through more than once from Matthew to Revelation to realize that every divine gift, every divine blessing, every divine promise is secured by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And every part of the Christian life from start to finish by the same means. The righteous shall live by faith. We are saved by faith alone. We are forgiven of our sins by grace alone. We are justified by grace alone, declared perpetually righteous by grace alone. We, we may remain holy and blameless in God's sight by grace alone. We stay right with God, and we, and we get right with God, and we stay right with God every day by grace alone. We are provided for, empowered, gifted, anointed, filled, and led by the Spirit by grace alone. Paul affirms this in Galatians chapter 3, that we enjoy the presence, the power, and the miracles of the Holy Spirit, not by, by what we bring to the table, not by what we do, not by our piosity, not by keeping of law. He says, did you receive the Spirit? Does God work his, his, give you his Spirit and work miracles among you because you do thus and so? Or because you believe the gospel, you see? The blessings and gifts of divine healing are secured in exactly the same way as as everything else in the Christian life. Whenever Jesus heals anybody, it is always by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The blessings of 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 uh, of, of the blessings of healing is 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 this formula: Jesus plus nothing equals divine healing. Let me share with you one quick observation from our text 
today that will encourage your own faith in Jesus' unfailing grace. And that is this. You're going, you, when I mention this, you're going to go, well, duh. You know, that's so, that's so obvious. And here's, here's the observation. All of Jesus' healing miracles throughout the Gospels, without exception, came to undeserving sinners who were still unrepentant, still unforgiven, and still dead in their trespasses and sins. Everyone Jesus healed in the gospel, including all these here in this passage, were unsaved and unforgiven sinners. All of them had unconfessed and unrepented of sins in their lives when Jesus healed them. Not a single one of these people was right with God. This crowd of people witnessing and receiving Jesus' healing miracles in this setting, by most scholars' estimates, consisted of anywhere between 10 and 25,000 people. 10 and 25, most of them were Jews with a few smattering of Gentiles among them. And let me tell you this about them. Every one of them were still under the law. And what does the scripture say about those under law, these Jews under law? It says this, what shall we conclude? Are we, uh, we have already made the charge that we Jews and those Gentiles are all alike full of sin. Paul says, as it is written, there is not one of them right with God, not even one of them. There is no, none of them who understood. There is no one who, none of them who sought God. All of them have turned away, the scripture says. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does, does good, not even one among them. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. The vo- the, the, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. And there is no fear of God before their eyes. That's the spiritual and moral condition of these people who Jesus is healing. You see that? I, I want to write a book. I'd like to, I'm, I feel like a, in my life, I want to write a book, you know, stuff Jesus never said. Well, there's two questions that Jesus never asked any of these people when he interviewed them for healing. Are you right with God? And do you have any sin in your life unconfessed? Why didn't he? Because he knew <laughs> they were a mess. See, none of them were saved yet. None of them were sanctified yet. None of them had the spirit, were born again yet. They were all sinners, you see? And so this, this, encur- this sort of encourages us, you see? So, so every person Jesus healed without any exception didn't deserve healing. There was nothing in them that, would bring, that, would, that Jesus should heal them. Nothing in their spiritual walk. Nothing about their morality. Nothing about their walk with God, being right with God. You see what I'm saying? And so I'm convinced that the greatest hindrance to faith for healing is believing that divine healing is secured by something you must bring to the table. Believing that you must have a spiritual bath before Jesus will heal you. Believing that you must jump through certain hoops, moral hoops, or, or you, know, you have to say and do certain things before Jesus will consider healing you. And I mentioned this before, this verse, but Paul asked the church in Galatia, he says, answer me this. Does God give you his Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you keep the law, because of something you come up with, or because you believe the gospel? See? Divine healing under law was a works and performance-based healing. Let me read what God said about healing based on law. It's, I'm going to quote from chapter, uh, Exodus chapter 15, the same passage that God introduces himself as, as the healer. His name is healing, Jehovah Rapha. He says this, now listen. Listen. 
If you, can, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, this is healing under law, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his degrees, it, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Yahweh Rapha, I am the Lord who heals you. See, that was healing under law, friends. And there we see four performance-based conditions to divine healing that God specifically points out here. Number one, if you listen carefully. Number two, if you do what is right in his eyes. Number three, if you pay attention to his commands. Number four, if you keep all of his decrees, then I will heal you. That was healing, divine healing 101 under law. Perform to be healed. Get right with God in order to be healed. And that was healing under law, but all of Jesus' healings were by grace, you see. So that is why we, we don't see any healings under John the Baptist, because John the Baptist was the lost, last prophet under law. But healings began to, were multiplied when Jesus came. Why is that? Because the law comes by Moses, came by Moses, John said, but grace came and truth came by Christ Jesus, you see. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Christ Jesus. John says, from the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another. Law is God's healing at our expense, but grace is God's healing at Christ's expense. You see, whenever Jesus heals, it is on the exact same basis and means that our sins are forgiven by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Healing in the New Testament is not on the basis of anything in us, not on the basis of your sins or your moral purity. Divine healing in the New Testament is not on the basis of your obedience, not on the basis of anything you do or say. None of the people Jesus healed were healed by anything but the grace of Jesus alone. We are not healed in our own names, friends. We are healed in the name of Jesus, see? And here's the good news. Jesus still freely heals today, and we can trust him to heal us today because healing is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Healing is free for you, but it is no means free. The scripture says this, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. You see? It's free. Healing is free. There's a health care plan that Jesus has in the church, but it costs Jesus everything. So you can be encouraged to come to him to healing, not on the basis of anything in yourself, but in the basis of everything in Jesus. See, this is the good news of healing, the gospel of divine healing. It's free for you because it costs Jesus everything. James says, if, if any one of you is sick, if any one of you is sick, any one of you, okay, that means pretty much universal health care, right? Any one of you? That, that would be my, the way I take that. If any one of you is sick, it says, let him call on the elders of the church and let them anoint you in the name of of the Lord. Not, it doesn't say let them anoint you in their own name. It doesn't say let them anoint you in your name. It says let them anoint you in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will make the sick person well. You see, first of all, let me just point this out. This is not, when it says, if anyone is sick, let, the, let him call on the elders of the church. This is not a suggestion, friends. This is a divine command. 
Don't, well, I, you know, I'm sick. Well, have you called on the other? Well, you know, I'm, I'm praying about that. No, you don't pray about obedience. The word of God says to do it, so we do it, you see. So that was free, by the way. I know I'm meddling. I, I know I have a, a conflict of interest. So anyways, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So it says the prayer of faith in Jesus' name will make the sick person well. You see, we cannot offer the prayer of faith until we offer it by faith alone in Jesus' name alone. It is not the measure of our faith that secures divine healing. It is the object of our faith that heals us. The object of our faith that heals us is Jesus and his suffering de death plus nothing. Again, one of the greatest hindrances to faith in Jesus alone for healing is relying upon or depending upon and hoping in something in ourselves for healing, something was, what we must do or say, something what we must bring to the healing table. But divine healing is, is not about it, what, what any of us brings to the healing table. Healing is all about what Jesus brings to the table. All you have to do to bring to the table is bring your sickness and your request for mercy. That's all. The rest Jesus will provide, you see. Isn't that good? We have health care in Canada. Jesus has health care in the church. Free health care. See? And so, <clears throat> divine healing, again, is not about what any of us brings to the healing table. It's all about what Jesus brings to the table. And the prayer offered in faith is simply coming to Jesus at the throne of grace with nothing but our illness and our request for mercy, believing that he alone will can and will supply everything we need to be healed for the glory of God. And so we, Jesus, we know Jesus heals today because of his unchanging grace. Gospel truth number five, and I want to close with this quickly. And this is, I didn't have this in my notes, but the Lord woke me up at two o'clock in the morning last night and said, I want you to add this in. So I'm going to add this point. And here it is up on the screen. Jesus still freely heals today because sickness is his enemy. Peter in the books of, book of Acts tells us that Jesus went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul tells us that the last enemy to be destroyed is death at the resurrection from the dead. Death is our enemy because death is God's enemy. The writer of the book of Hebrews tells us that it is by his death, Jesus destroyed him who hold the power of death. That is the devil. Sickness, now listen to this. Sickness, illness, infirmities of the soul, of the spirit, of the body are simply manifestations of death and death is God's enemy. Jesus saves us from sin because sin is his enemy. Jesus sanctifies us from sin because sin is his enemy. Jesus performed miracles of provision because poverty and hunger and nakedness and homelessness and lack are his enemies. Jesus teaches people liter because literacy and ignorance and superstition and believing falsehoods and lies are his enemies. Jesus provides counseling for those who mourn and are depressed and lonely and psychologically broken because mourning, depression, loneliness, and brokenness are his enemies. Jesus performed miracles of healing because sickness is his enemy. We need to get this in our nowhere, in our schnoggin, and realize sickness is not our friend. It's not Jesus' friend. Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. 
When Jesus does all these things, when, 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 when Jesus heals all these people, when Jesus provides for these hungry people, when he multiplies the bread, is Jesus promoting a health and wealth gospel? Is he promoting a prosperity gospel? No, friends, he is doing what he's came for. He is destroying his enemies. You see, when Jesus raises up a net to, 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 to battle with, uh, with poverty, to fight, is, 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 is he promoting a prosperity gospel? No, he's raising her up as a soldier of the cross because poverty is his enemy and he's coming against it in spiritual warfare. You see that? It's not about a prosperity gospel. It's not about a health and wealth gospel. It's about the kingdom of God coming and smashing down the strongholds of the devil. When Jesus comes and provides supernaturally, when Jesus comes and heals our illnesses, when Jesus comes and gives us victory over sin, when Jesus comes to us and brings about everything that he does, he does it because he's a soldier and he wants to defeat his enemies, you see. For this reason was the Son of God made manifest, John tells us, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Sickness is a work of the devil, friends. It's not your friend. You see, when we, when we as elders are preaching the gospel of healing, like we are this morning, and when we are anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord and offering the prayer of faith like we're going to this morning for your healing, we as elders are engaged with Jesus and yoking ourselves with Jesus in an all-out spiritual warfare. See that? So, now here's the kicker. When Jesus heals, he is fighting and destroying his enemies and advancing his kingdom against the kingdom of darkness. So whenever we lay down and acquiesce to sickness without a fight, we are surrendering to Jesus' enemy. Whenever we refuse to come to Jesus for healing, we are siding with Jesus' enemies. Whenever we quit praying for healing in discouragement or resentment because Jesus isn't answering our prayers as quick as we can, we are surrendering to Jesus' enemies. You see that? Somebody asked me this, well, then what, is, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean that what if Jesus doesn't heal you? Well, it doesn't matter. What if Jesus doesn't take away your sin? Are you still going to acquiesce to sin? No, you're not going to, because sin is your enemy. Sin is his enemy. And we're going to fight sin until the day we die. Supposing we, don't, we lose a lot of battles. We're, we're, going to take, we're not going to get all this. We're going to fight sickness until the day we die. I love it the way, the way Colette Baudet, we, us elders asked her, he said, Call, honey, do... do she, she, her body is ravished with cancer. And, and we, we said, honey, do you, do you want, do you want to just, that's the pray for just comfort? You just want to, you know, just lay down and die and go home? She says, no, I want to fight. Oh, I love that. Pray for me, she said. We're, I'm fighting this illness, you see. Because she, Colette knows well enough that sickness is Jesus' enemy and sickness is her enemy and sickness is your enemy, friends. So Jesus still freely heals today because sickness is his enemy. We can never acquiesce to sickness. Yes, there's, you know what? Even if Jesus heals every one of you today with every sickness you got, you know what? You're still gonna, you're, you're still gonna die unless he comes first, right? You're still gonna die of sickness. 
Does that mean you, you don't go after Jesus for healing just because you're going to die of sickness anyways? No. We go down fighting, friends. We hit the wall running. Amen? Oh, man, that's enough right there. You could just take that. So Jesus heals every sickness, every kind of illness. Number two, Jesus heals today because his healing is part of his unchanging identity. Number three, Jesus heals today because of his unchanging compassion for the sick and the infirm. Number four, Jesus still freely heals today because of his unchanging grace. And number five, Jesus still freely heals today because sickness is his enemy. The elders are here. They're ready to pray for you today. We're going to have the worship team come up. We're going to lead us in some more worship songs. If you are sick today, if you have any kind of illness, I don't care if it's emotional, physical, psychological, whatever it is. If, you, if you're struggling with any kind of infirmity, be it lo- loneliness or grieving, if you're struggling with any kind of addiction, if you've got any kind of illness here, I don't care how hard it is, and you want, you want to be prayed for, you want to bring it to Jesus, you want to come to Jesus, you come forward as, we, as the worship team leads us, and we're going to pray for you. People are here are going to pray for you, and, uh, and we're going to believe Jesus for mighty things. Amen. Let's just pray right now. Lord Jesus, I think about that prayer in the book of Acts where the, uh, where the apostles prayed together in unison. And it said, Lord, consider their threats. Lord, I pray that you would consider the threats that are against your people today, the threats of illness and brokenness and demonic, demonic infiltration and harassment and depression and loneliness and grieving and hurting and all of these threats. Lord, consider their threats and in the name of Jesus, stretch forth your hand through the mighty name of your servant Jesus to perform miraculous signs and wonders, to heal and to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant. In Jesus' name, Lord, honor your word today. Honor the name of your son today, Lord. Honor your heart today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.